read together of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 28, questions 75 through 77, on page 57. Question 75. How are thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and of all his benefits? Answer. Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises, first that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me and his blood shed for me, as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord be broken for me, and the cup communicated to me. And further, that he feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. As assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, as certain signs of the body and blood of Christ. Question 76. What is it then to eat the crucified body and to drink the shed blood of Christ? It is not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal but also, besides that, to become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that we, though Christ is in heaven and be on earth, are notwithstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and that we live and are governed forever by one spirit as members of the same body are by one soul. 77. Where, as Christ promised that he will assuredly feed and nourish believers with his body and blood as they eat of his, this broken bread and drink of this cup, Answer in the institution of the supper, which is thus expressed, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. This promise 
is repeated by the Holy Apostle Paul, where he says, the cup of blessing which he blessed, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which he break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So far. The theme for tonight, the Lord's Supper, meant to give assurance. The more things in the Lord's Supper, but tonight, the Lord's Supper meant to give assurance. Three thoughts. In the first place, biblical assurance. Secondly, promoted assurance. And in the third place, given assurance. So the Lord's Supper meant to give assurance, biblical assurance. What is it? Some examples. It's based upon promote assurance that the Lord is encouraging his church to make their calling and election sure. Promoting it is not an option. They may not neglect it. And in the third place, the given assurance, given by the Holy Ghost especially, but although given, it can also diminish again. Congregation of the Lord's Day 28 is the first one of three that pertain to the Lord's Supper. And tonight we deal with the basics of it. It is good to begin realizing what the Lord's Supper is for. Of course, the purpose is the glory of God. But I mean, in particular, what is the purpose of administering the Lord's Supper? There is a theme in the background. There's a specific reason why the Lord uses the Lord's Supper for His glory. What do you think it is, young people? What is the real theme of the Lord's Supper. Why did the Lord Jesus institute that? I hear someone say, for God's glory. Yes, I mentioned it already. That's the overall umbrella. That's, 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 for, that's true for all things. The purpose of all things is the glory of God. But underneath that, underneath that, 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 that umbrella. Some say, well, to grow in grace. That God's people don't stay small, that they grow up, that they mature. Sure. Someone says that they have more insight and become closer to the Lord. That's also a purpose. But I mean the very heart, the very heart of the purpose of the Lord's Supper. I think it is worded in that expression the Lord Jesus used at the Lord's Supper table. Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do you hear it? Do you hear the theme? For you. It is to assure. It is to make it certain. To guarantee it. The Lord explained to the church that he is a faithful God. That he does not lie. So the main theme is is that he assures people. The Lord's Supper is not, in the first place, to explain the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus so much. 
is not so much to tell how God's people become partakers, but that we are. He comforts them with the, with, with, to let them know that they are God's people. This is, is, is my body. It is broken for you, not for someone else, for you, so personal. So, it's not about how rich you are and how they became so rich and what has made them rich, but that they are rich. When you walk through the Lord's Day 28, you will find many of those words related to this theme. Let me show you a few of them. It begins right away with the question in 75, how are thou admonished and assured? Admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou, that thou art the partaker of that one sacrifice. How do you become certain of that? See? So it's not about that there is one sacrifice. It is not about what that sacrifice is, but it is that the sacrifice is a sacrifice for me. That's the main point. So we hear about the Lord's Supper that is commanded to eat it. God's sinner commanded to eat it for that reason. So we hear about the added promise that it is for me, right? Answer 75, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this bread, broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me and his blood shed for me. As certainly as I see it. See, it is the whole catechism through, the whole Lord's Day 28 through, about being assured. It's certain. It's not a lie. It's true. It's for, it's for others. It's for you as well. So again, we know there is one sacrifice, and we know who is the sacrifice and what he did, but is it for me? May I say that? Is that not important? You know, there's no comfort in knowing everything about the election and knowing everything about atonement and knowing everything about grace and knowing everything about conversion if I don't know it for myself. There are many that do not even try to find out and hope for the best. They are not very motivated to know, is it for me? They just assume, it's, I'm fine. They don't think it's worth it to, to examine it. Others believe in Christ, but have little assurance that the sacrifice is for them and fear that they deceive themselves. I repeat that. 
others believe in Christ, I mean, saving faith, they believe in Christ, but have little assurance, I'm not saying nothing, they have little assurance that the sacrifice is for them. They, they are not so certain. But they believe. They believe in Christ and fear to deceive themselves. Well, the Lord's Supper is all about assurance. And the Lord's Supper has been instituted to become conscious of the fact that you are saved. To make you conscious of it. To make you aware of it. That the sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits me. The Lord admonishes and assures God's people, the believers, that they are safe and sound. There is a difference, though, between believing and knowing that I believe. Is that too difficult? There is a difference between believing and knowing that I believe. Like there's a difference when people are, feel, are stressed. And you just notice it. He's so stressed. His behavior, his answers, his language. There must be something going on. He's stressed. But does he know that he's stressed? See the difference? Between being stressed and knowing that you are stressed? Maybe others notice how tense you are, but you do not realize it. Or another example, the difference between loving a person and realizing how much you love her. See, I, I didn't know I loved her so much. You find out something about it later, Maybe. And that's also true regarding our eternal salvation. One can feel saved without being saved. And it's possible to have false assurance. False assurance and no faith. Or one can feel saved Feel not saved and yet be saved. Is it, is it possible that someone does not feel saved and yet is saved from sin? That, that's that's what we will deal with. What we are dealing with today. You know, it's even possible to have a strong faith and not having full assurance. Because believing is believing in someone outside of you, right? Believing is in someone you can be so certain of. The Lord Jesus Christ in his promises. There's a rock that's steadfast. That's something God doesn't repent of. But assurance is assurance of me. That I'm safe. See the difference? What is more important? To believe or to know that you do? Of course, it's important that you know it. 
But let me talk about someone else. Someone, someone dies, right? And that person had a hard time believing that he was saved. But maybe you are convinced that he believed. So what is, what is more, more important? To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or to know that you do? Faith is more important than being sure of your faith. Faith is essential. You cannot miss faith in order to be saved. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You must have saving faith. But do you need to have assurance? Can you say you must have assurance? And if you don't have full assurance, you have nothing. Assurance is not essential. Or more precisely, it is essential to be sure of Christ, not to be sure of self. Anyone here who could relate to that? I'm not sure myself at all. I feel so vile. I feel so worthy. I don't measure up in any possible way, shape, or form. I have such a hard time believing that I'm saved. Look at me. Look at what I feel and do and say sometimes. I can't. I can't be saved. I just feel it's all against me. But then I hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, about his word and his promises. I sometimes I lift up out of my misery, and I just see salvation in him. And as soon as I look at myself, I sink again. So what is the Lord's Supper for? For them that have all the assurance and know it. Know the Lord's Supper is meant for the people of God to make them aware, to make them conscious of the fact that they are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. To make sure to them that not only others, but that they are also partakers of salvation. So it is possible that the child of God has the highest thoughts of God and Christ. Well, he does, but yet hesitates in stating, I am a partaker. This person knows Christ, but does not have full assurance. So what I did not say is that God's people have no knowledge of Christ and don't believe in him, and at a certain point in time later, they begin to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I did not say that. Because if someone does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is not saved. That is an essential thing, to believe to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are people of God that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and years and years later still have not so much assurance. They like the more assurance. But they still believe in the Lord Jesus. Don't mix those things up. 
So those little ones have some faith and some knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And if they don't, then I don't know what to think about them. And then I'm not saying that they're saved at all. And they better don't do it themselves either. John Bunyan has explained this in his Pilgrim's Progress. You know that leaving the city is one thing. But many more have left the city and never entered through the door. So is it, is it, is it, it's essential to go through the door, to the port, to the gate, the wicked gate. It's essential. Then being through the gate, they have not come to the cross yet. And that burden has not rolled away from them yet. They have not received a scroll with a name on it yet. But they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Although they don't have the full assurance. So... I know that in believing is always assurance of some sort. So I don't want to confuse you, but I have said that believing is something else than knowing that you believe, and that in believing is not always assurance. And I'm just backpedaling a little bit and say that then God's people believe is always some sort of certainty. Because they are certain of God and certain of the promises and certain of Christ. But that is not the same as being sure that I have it. So, what is it? What is that biblical assurance? We read this evening from 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Beautiful. For I, listen to the words I and me in those verses. For I am now offered, ready to be offered, at the time of my departure. Is it hand? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also but, but, but unto all them also that love his appearance. See the Assurance is to say I. Assurance is to say me. It is to appropriate. It is to receive it and also reflect on it. So tonight we will especially speak on knowing to be saved. Let us listen to Scripture and see what we can know. If we can know. Because believing is not hoping for the best. Believing is not that you like, like, likely am saved. But it's, it's certainty. 
It's an infallible assurance of faith. Some state that nobody can ever know for sure. Is that true? That would mean that God's children are always at least somewhat doubtful. Well, I think that's not biblical. So let me quote a few verses with the word know in there. I know. I just know. Job 19:25, for I know that my redeemer liveth. Or Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. And 1 John 3, and he by we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Or 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. So he's talking to the church. You, you know your election. An interesting 1 John 2 verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him. See? Yeah? That's, that's interesting. That is, that is assurance. Hereby we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. So we need to know him, but also need to know that we know him. To know him is believing. And to know that we know is assurance. Here's another one. 2 Timothy 1.12 For I know whom I have believed. So believing is one thing. And to know that you believe in him. It's assurance. So, yes, there is something like assurance in the Bible. And assurance is better than doubting. To my surprise, some question that assurance is possible or teach that it is better to not know. For sure. You know, some people say it's better that you don't know. It's kind of suspicious if you know. But the Bible opens it wide up and says about the church that they know that they know. So not knowing, some say not knowing would keep you more dependent. But you know, the doubting is not helpful in any way. Doubt is a sin. And not knowing that you know is also something to think about. And others state that only very few have assurance. But there is no proof of that in the Bible either. Now, can God's children become sure? Not sure of Christ? Of course. But... The thing is, are they sure of the, that they are partakers of those benefits? Because faith is resting upon the promises. And that's why the word promise is used here. Really biblical and Calvinistic. 
that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of, me, of him, adding these promises, adding these promises that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me and his blood shed for me as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord being broken. See? Marks of faith can be helpful when God's children seriously examine themselves. But assurance is mainly given when a sinner is convinced of what the promise is saying. You know, the promises in the Bible are so important that it's the railroad tracks. And the engine of faith is riding on the railroad tracks. And the assurance in the feelings are falling. Those are the wagons, the carts behind it. So that promise is the word. That promise is the gospel. That promise is summarized in John 3.16, right? Whosoever believeth in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. So many have had knowledge. They love, the love of Christ is absent. And they never knew of their wretchedness. And they force themselves to believe and to be sure. However, it's a false assurance. Think of Matthew 7. It's scary. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, Lord, they're doing confession. Lord, Lord, not every one of them that say that shall enter into the kingdom of God. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have he not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, how important is assurance? Do we admonish? Do we promote it? You know, some state that you have to have full assurance you don't have faith. That means that they have no hope for sinners unless they have full assurance. So do you think only they may, may come to the Lord's Supper table that I have the full assurance? What is the Lord's Supper for then? If they already know. It is for the believers that need more assurance. Also for God's glory and for more insight, I know. But that's the main thing. For you. What might help is to explain that assurance and faith are not the same. Right? That's what I explained. That believing, faith, believing, same faith and believing is the same word in the Bible, in the original language. Faith and believing is one thing and 
the other side is to have the consciousness of that. Assurance is to be conscious of your own faith. Conscious that you have changed. That you have truly confessed your sins. Knowing that you seek salvation outside of self and another. Conscious of your desire for holiness. So someone can have a strong faith in Christ. Have the highest thoughts of Christ. Love him but wonder if his love is good enough. This faith is a saving faith. The woman that suffered from constant bleeding was certain of Christ. She knew he can do it. She had no doubt about him. So there was faith. But how much assurance did she have? Because she was sneaky. And she was unclean. And just from, from behind, she approached the Lord Jesus. Had such a low self-esteem in spiritual things. She was so unworthy, so unclean. So I think it's a good example of how it can be still. That people can have the highest thoughts of that Jesus. He can do it. But the way they approach him is so from behind. They're so unsure. And then the Lord Jesus begins to speak about those things that someone has touched him. And the, Lord, the disciples are telling him that everyone is touching him. No, no, someone has touched me on purpose. Because power went out for me. And then she came trembling. And Lord Jesus said, Thy faith has made you whole. So now she knows that she knows. Now she knows that she believes. Now she has it, but she is looking for it. I understand that the Westminster Confession, if we have some time left, we can quote something about it at the end of the service. The Westminster Confession states literally that assurance is not the essence of faith. True believers may struggle before they come to the full assurance. Westminster Confession, chapter 18, article 3. So it is true that some of God's people struggle their whole life. And don't come to the full assurance. But they believe. They believe in him. True believers may struggle before. And yet believing is always being sure of, of him, right? And the weakest of God's children has some assurance. It can increase over time. Like in a marriage, the bond is becoming stronger. So do you see why we have the Lord's Supper? To bring believers to more consciousness, more awareness, more knowledge of what they know. More knowledge of that they believe. Brings to the second part. Promoted assurance. So question 75. How are thou admonished 
And it's short. Do you feel the pressure? Manus, the short. And do you hear that in the answer that Christ has commanded? He's commanded me and our believers to eat of this bread for this purpose. The purpose of assurance. It's commanded. It's not an option. It's commanded to become more certain, not in a proud way, not in a presumptuous shape or form, but in a humble way, in a poor way, as a poor sinner receiving from a rich Christ, as a hungry one eating of the true meat, as a sinner looking upon the Holy One. So the best frame or attitude for God's children is to be an assured sinner. An assured sinner. They feel a sinner. They're assured. That's the best place to be. Having the lowest thought of self and the highest thought of God. Let me prove of the Bible that God's children are commanded to be sure and to increase in that knowledge of that in all. The clearest Bible verse is, I think, 2 Peter 1 verse 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Do your best. Make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Do it. Make your calling and election sure by living a holy life, by opening the Bible on your knees and seeking the kingdom of God. Do you see why we have the Lord's Supper? Because children are assured, are commanded, are encouraged to partake of the Lord's Supper, even if they have little assurance. But to receive more assurance, that's, it's mandatory. This do in remembrance of me, not only for him, also for themselves, that they may know more of what's going on. So God's children may know that Christ died for them to give them calm in their hearts, to grant comfort, to acquiesce them in the face of death. So why is assurance better than not knowing? If you believe anyway, what is the extra blessing on of knowing that you know, of knowing that you believe? Well, if there's assurance, there's more humility. More? Yes. Because when the Lord gives assurance, you sink away in wonderment. It's very humbling. Assurance gives more glory to God. Doubting does not do it. Assurance is more appealing for others. You know, for your children. For your grandchildren. 
He's taking from out of your mouth something of that assurance. I know my Redeemer liveth. Assurance is more joyful. Assurance creates more thankfulness, more closeness, gives more courage in difficult times, makes more content, makes happier, it's healthier for body and soul. And listen again to the language that may hopefully make you jealous of that. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. That's the result of the Lord assuring his people, for example, by the Lord's Supper table, that they go home and that this on their minds. I shall not be moved. He is my defense. He is my rock. He is my salvation. That's the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Or Colossians 2 verse 2. That their hearts might be comforted, be knit together in love, and to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to be acknowledged to the, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. See that? that the richness of the full assurance of understanding. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. It's, it's commanded. It's promoted. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. And that assurance is pleasing to God. Now the just shall live by faith. But if a man draws back, if someone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The Lord has no pleasure in his people when they draw back. And say, I don't know. I'm not attending. The Lord is not rejoicing about that. Or think of John 20. Jesus speaking to Thomas. Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. So do we see why we have the Lord's Supper? It also creates more unity. As we read in the second half of Answer 76. To become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost, who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that we, though Christ is in heaven and in earth, are not withstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. So the Lord's Supper is for more understanding, not only. It's for more assurance, not only, but also to become more united. More and more united. How can God's people become more united? Because they are in Him. They are united, objectively. But this is about knowing that you are united. So the Holy Spirit is meant to know that God's people believe and to know that they are united. So biblical assurance 
promote assurance, thirdly, given assurance. Congregation assurance is biblical, it's possible, it's important, has many benefits, it's also promoted in the Bible, it's also given. The work of the Holy Ghost, it's the work of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives that assurance in the heart. It's not forced upon someone, people are not brainwashed, Somehow, the Holy Ghost gives assurance in the heart. The Holy Ghost is also mentioned in this section. Founded upon Romans 8 and other verses. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's just the Holy Spirit telling me in my heart. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And he by we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit, which he has given us. Oh, that Holy Spirit. He gives that assurance. He gives it assurance that God's people are building upon the foundation of the promises. And he also seals it inside, in the heart. He by knowing that we dwell in him. So you get one of those texts again. He by we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So assurance is to know that we dwell in him and he in us. Worked by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes God's children cry. I mean, exclaim, enjoy, Abba, Father. And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So do you see why we have the Lord's Supper? Because the Holy Ghost uses also those promises in the Bible, in the gospel, and confirmed by the sacraments that... It is for the believers, so that they know that they know, that they know that they believe, that they know that they're in him. So, given by the Holy Spirit, but can God's children lose it then? God's children cannot lose their faith. May feel like that they cannot lose their faith. God does not regret his election. He has paid the price for them. He has begun a good work in, in their hearts, and he cannot quit. None can pluck God's children out of the hand of Christ and of the hand of the Father. However, assurance can be shaken. We were walking yesterday, and I saw a huge tree in the field. And around the tree, lots of branches on the ground, right? Because the ice storm. So it's still a tree. It probably survives, but it's not the same anymore. It was such a huge, beautiful tree, and it's now broken. So that's what can happen to, to the assurance. 
you surely can just break down and be just and diminish and be shaken. Can become weaker. Like a body can be sick. Like someone can be alive but breathing hard and the heartbeat is up and the muscles are less strong. And so also assurance can grow pale. Assurance, according to the Westminster Confession, assurance can be interrupted be suspended, be discontinued for a time. And therefore, the Lord has instituted what? The Lord's Supper. Because that assurance is fragile. The faith is held up in the heart. But that assurance is so fragile, it's interrupted, suspended, discontinued. And in the Lord's Supper, they may just heal. And that assurance may come back. That's the purpose. There are reasons why God's children can lose assurance, right? If they don't really care and watch and pray by falling into some special sin, wounding their conscience and grieving the spirit, by God withdrawing the light of his countenance for wise reasons. The Lord may be testing them like Job, or might train them to live by faith instead of building upon feelings. It's a hard lesson for the children of faith. To live by faith, to rely on the unchangeable promises, to let the engine of faith ride on the railroad of the world. See? The importance of the Lord's Supper. Do you know when you go over this, through this section, maybe you can do it tonight again, you see those words, admonish, as certain, as assured. It's all about assurance. And some of God's people struggle with past sins. Maybe gross sins, and they just can't get over it. And that's really... It stands in the way for assurance. If, if the people would know what I did. So gross. Such a long time. So foolish. So embarrassing. That, that creates such a low self-esteem. And traumatic experiences are not helpful in the assurance area. And yet, the Lord is faithful. So, let us have a look at chapter 18 of the Westminster Confession. This will read you a few lines. Yet such as truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him, may in this life be certainly assured that they are in the state of grace and may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which hope shall never make them ashamed. That's the basics. This certainty is not a bare conjectural and probable persuasion. Yeah, maybe, 
No, it's grounded upon the upon upon a fel- It's not grounded upon a fallible hope. It's infallible assurance of faith, founded upon the divine truth of the promises of salvation. And the inward evidence buried by the Holy Spirit. This infallible assurance does not belong to the essence of faith, but that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be partaker of it. So many struggles before he is a partaker of the full assurance. But it's talking about believers, right? Believers in Christ. True believers may have the assurance of their salvation, diverse ways, shaken, diminished, intermitted, as by negligence and preserving of it, by failing into, by falling into some special sins which wound their conscience. I think you should read yourself. You will be able to find it. Westminster Confession, chapter 18, articles 1 through 4. So, it's one thing to know Christ, and another thing to know that you know him. Right? It's one thing to hear about the only sacrifice and to say, yes, that's the true. It's another thing to have that one sacrifice for you personally. Worried by the Holy Spirit. But I may preach you that salvation. This is salvation. Full and free. For every hopeless case. Nothing of man, but all of Christ. Through free and sovereign grace. Amen.